Yo, 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 what's going on, guys? It's your boy Player X here with the Semi Limited Podcast for another weekly installment of the best TCG podcast this side of the globe has ever produced. We just want to give a quick thank you to all of our listeners and supporters, everyone who's been tuning into the podcast, sharing all the pages, following all the social sites, interacting with us and whatnot. It means a tremendous amount to all of us here at the podcast for, you know, putting on and trying to give you guys some good content as well as help improve some of the uh, gameplay and uh, quality of content out there for you guys. So thank you for showing love to us. And, and in return, we will be showing love to you guys. So as usual, you can be sure to click that link tree link down below in that description box. You can click on that and follow all of our social sites, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, or X or whatever it is now, TikTok. We have um, YouTube now all that stuff you make sure you go down there click on all those links and follow subscribe hit those notification bells so you stay up to date every time we drop and as well as when we reach 50 followers on x which is about three followers away and 50 followers on TikTok, which is about i think like 20 followers or so we'll be doing more giveaways as well as 100 followers on instagram which we have we have 88 so another 12 more there we'll be doing more giveaways for you guys whether it be some play sets of cards maybe some high rarity staples or something like that we have like merchandise we can give accessories mats sleeves whatever the hell you guys want deck boxes you guys ask for it and let us know in our discord server also in that link tree link and we will get it to you guys because we just want to show back all the love that you guys have been showing to us and speaking of love showing quick love to our sponsor unplug gaming out in manliest new york you can be sure to check out their discord server also in the description box below i made sure to include it down there you can click on that hit join and join their server and you can be a part of all of the tcgs that they have available in their store so Yu-Gi-Oh, one piece magic the gathering lorcana whatever like whatever it is that your tcg is i guarantee you that they have a little community down there in their tabs for you so go down there interact with the page and if you go to the store be sure to tell them that the boys over at semi-limited sent you for a little surprise also the last little uh, mention we have going on is that brad our Twitch affiliate will be streaming as he usually does on Saturdays at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that's 11 p.m. over on the East Coast of the United States. Anywhere else, you'll just have to check your time zone to find out when it will be streaming. The link is also in the link tree link down below. And Brad, be, Brad streams usually every Saturday doing things like deck profiles, uh, interacting with his, his stream, sometimes play testing or like... Uh, for example, for the Rochester Regional, for the last two weeks, he was streaming and doing deck profiles, challenging random people to come through. We were doing uh, deck building uh, sessions or whatnot. So it's very, very interesting over there. And uh, everything that happens on stream, he also t uh, talks to me about. We try to mention in the podcast. So if you're not doing anything on Saturday nights, be sure to go check out his stream uh, once again at 11 p.m. on Saturdays. And uh, if you catch it over there and happen to get his attention, he might bring it to my attention and you might get mentioned over here on the podcast. So be sure to check those things out. Before we get into today's episode, though, I just want to introduce two very special guests that we have with us today. Uh, one of them is a returning guest, and a second one is a first-time guest here on the podcast, but they are both from the same group and the same clique in the same town down there in New York City. So please give a big warm welcome to our brother podcast, Heart of the Podcast, and their hosts, Mel and Nick. Yo. Oh, what's up? What's going on? It's good. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, thanks for uh, having us on. X, it's, X and I go back, go way back together. So he's a good friend of mine. And we were up in Rochester, near Syracuse this weekend for the regional. Uh, so we're very excited about that. That was very fun. Yeah, it was cool. It was a great trip. 
had a really nice time. Did you guys have any plugins or shout outs that you guys want to get into before we dive on into the episode? Uh, the main one is shouting out our part, our Hot of the Podcast are on all streaming platforms. Um, we've been trying to get back into the groove of things uh, with recording episodes, but life has happened. So it's been a little bit, but we plan on recording uh, more consistently uh, in the next couple weeks. Yeah, once the summer ends, it'll be better. Yeah, yeah and a big shout out to you for having us on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For most people who don't know, actually, Heart of the Podcast and Mel and his click mm-hmm. are actually the reason I even got into TCG podcasting to begin with. He had told me about it. He showed me a couple episodes. I followed the channel. I was really, really into it, like having fun listening to all of my friends give their opinions and their takes and to see what the community thought about it. And then like not only that, but like just the uh, ability to like talk with your friends about something you guys actually enjoy and actually create a platform out of it just seemed very, very enticing to me. So like if anyone ever wants to point the finger, it's definitely <laughs> the, the heart of the podcast that got semi-limited podcasts even off the ground. So Hell congrats yeah. to you guys and uh you know much much thanks for you guys for you know helping out the uh, the lo- the little guys out there, let's just say. Of course. We appreciate the shout out and you put up some high quality stuff so we really enjoy being on. My shout out is to Arise Art because he did nothing wrong. Oh my god, here yes, we go. Right. We're shout already starting. Man. Shout out Arise Art dog. Christ. <laughs> Just just out here banishing cards face down. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Just a walking macrocosmos with 3,000 attack and defense. Yeah, no problem at all. Everyone's a hater. (laughs) So now that we are all settled up and squared away, we can actually get into today's episode and uh, just a couple topics for today. Nothing too crazy. But we wanted to talk about the regional that happened over at Millennium Games in Rochester, New York over the weekend. For those who are unaware, it was uh, August 26th. It was a Saturday. We had all drove all out there. All the Cuse boys had decided to take a big old you know, competitive trip out to Rochester to the Millennium Games new store, the new venue. And it was, let's just go start to finish from the day. I, I think it was still a great event. I scrubbed, mm-hmm. but start to finish, it was a great day. We got there a little late. The venue itself was was. Oh, glorious it was a really yeah. really really nice mm-hmm. venue those who have been to the old millennium games knows that the, that store is actually pretty big but they actually got bigger and mm-hmm. way more sleek way more new age it was it was insane going there uh yeah. from the regional room to the board game room to the actual mm-hmm. floor the, the sales floor being like tremendously big and then all all the uh display cases had like rotating display cases it was really really cool to see like all the high-tech stuff in there so it was yeah. it was like next gen to me yeah it was really nice yeah that that place was dope i was very impressed because there's not a lot of um especially in new york there's been a lack of regionals um particularly in like areas by us um yeah, since, yeah. since everything since everybody got back and it's just been really interesting it was super fascinating to see like a big store like that appearing in New York and being able to go there he just the the owner was just like super cool and super like he clearly very knowledgeable knows what he's doing and has clearly run those things before because yeah start to finish it was extremely well organized it's very he did something that I wasn't expecting where deck lists weren't turned into until after round one which I think helped us get started faster because after that they might have had some issues going like later on but yeah. Just like the little logistical things, really well done with pre-registration, like saved a lot of time and space for us to have to deal with that. Um, and it also was such a big space that we were able to, it didn't feel like we were crowded because that's sometimes how it feels at regionals, particularly yes, in very, places very that big. are not convention centers. It was just like, you get very, you feel tend to feel very crowded. 
But this one was like you could go. You didn't have to just go outside. You could walk around his store, find a bunch of cool shit, um, go like see all. Especially as some, I'm a big board game fan, and just like seeing the selection was so cool. And those rotating boxes with the the cards were. I was like, this thing is incredible. This is so cool. This is yeah. somebody who is clearly dedicated to their craft and knows what they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I can't agree more. It was a really nice venue. Very well organized. Honestly, probably my favorite venue that uh that I've ever been to for Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, really? Even over a card shop like Gamer's Choice? For sure, hundred percent. The big thing for me is when I go to a card shop is that it's got to be clean, it's got to be big enough, it's got to have space, and it's got to be like the the physical space needs to be well organized. And I think Millennium Games really excelled at that. Like it was nice. Yeah. It was really nice. Even the bathroom was really nice. Yeah, and it's funny because even the old shop, I mean, when we they used to throw, like, OTS championships and whatnot, you could probably get, like, 40, 50 people in their game room. And, like, not to say that it's, like, shoulder to shoulder, but when you're sitting down, you can kind of, like, feel that there's about 40 or 50 people in there. Yeah, but yeah. for oh, those yeah. who don't know, the, the regional uh, last weekend was 210 people, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So it means eight rounds of Swiss with the top eight getting uh, the prize support and then the top 32 getting invites. But... Mm -hmm. Even for having 210 people, that room could yeah. have easily fit another 150 in. There. Oh, well, and yeah, I wouldn't have even was, noticed. They had extra space, dude. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, they had yeah. so much space. They were there yeah. enough for another tournament. Yeah, it was one of those like if you've ever been to like smaller regionals or even big regionals in small spaces, just being able to like lay yourself your stuff out comfortably and not feel like you're on top of people was something that I could I. Yeah. You sometimes take it take for granted, especially at like when you're at convention centers and stuff. But a local game shop that can do it and can pull it off well. Again, he just kudos to I think his I think the owner's name is Matt. Kudos to him for like really being very focused and doing the work to get that set up. Because it's yeah. his is the first regional in New York in a very long time and I really appreciated like not having to go to another state. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Big shout out to him. So for those who don't know who are listening, uh, Mel and the Heart of the Podcast crew actually came up from New York City. They came from the lower uh, New York City area up to upstate mm -hmm. and hung out in Syracuse with me for the weekend. We eventually mm -hmm. drove out to Rochester for that uh, regional and all five of them were able to compete along with the like 20s or so Q's people. And speaking of the Q's people that went out, we had a whole bunch of people who converted into Top Cut. Like a, mm -hmm. a, a very high handful. And not only that, but we actually had a bunch of people who you normally wouldn't think would, would be competitive in our Q's local scene also make top 50. So although they didn't get their invites, they still got X3 for the day. And we're just like one game away from getting their invite and or doing very, very well the place for themselves. So for those who didn't know, just to let everyone know, like I said, we did eight rounds of Swiss. There was 210 people. And from Syracuse, we have all the placements as follows. So we have Albert Park, who placed second place following the Castiera player who got first from Buffalo. So shout out to him as well. Albert Park got second. Then we have our own Ryan App, who got ninth place. Uh, he actually had to play Albert in the very last round. So round eight, Albert just unfortunately beat him and knocked him just out of eighth place. So he missed his uh, mat. But... Ryan absolutely a hell of a player, so congrats to him for ninth. Josh Rock, our uh, brand ambassador here at the podcast, was taking names on Saturday. He eventually got 14th place, losing twice the last two rounds, which is what dropped him so much. But he was on his way to get top eight uh, if he didn't drop his last game. 
Matt Pallets here, another great player from the Q's area who got top 32 in uh, YCS Philly, as well as day two on Nationals. He got 18th place. Our very own Brendan Agnant, who is basically just the biggest shit talker here in Syracuse, placed 20th. So he actually, you know, put his money where his mm. mouth was. And even players like Daryl Rupert, who most people won't remember that name on our local scene, but like players like Daryl placed 25th out of 32 and got his invite. And it was really, really crazy to, to, to say that because Daryl has was one of those players who's put in work for like the very very beginning like he was never really like a very named player he kind of came to locals played around a little bit played some fun decks and then you know he would he would leave but eventually over the last couple months started getting a little bit more serious started coming a little bit more frequently to locals his deck choices were changing in, into the like the bettering of like more combo oriented decks to, like even down to his practice schedule he said he used to only play like uh at locals and then now he like he goes home and plays he plays online he's actually been play testing and whatnot and the man's put in the work i gotta give props where the props are due the man went from barely even getting top cut out of locals to making top cut at his very first regional so kudos to him as well as some of the notable mentions from syracuse we have uh brian mcmahon aka redshirt and brad stevens as along with billy cronk who all got top 50 so went X3 for the day, or I think in Brad's case, he went X2-2. So he had two draws. That's what knocked him out. Uh, but yeah, bro, a bunch of names from, from people who normally wouldn't be doing well. And the conversions going into the, that last round was just so crazy to see how everyone was still in it. Still saying, yeah, I'm X2, I'm X1. Even Albert saying, I'm XO. And you know what I'm saying? It was, it was insane to, to see how strong our Syracuse community has really become from the beginning of the year till now. Yeah, yeah. But what about you guys in New York City? How did you guys wind up faring and whatnot? Yeah, so I think for us, we didn't. I think all of a, the best record we had was uh, X three. Uh, we ended up dropping out um, just because we uh, we could, didn't have, really have a chance at that point. Um, but for us, it, our focus was a lot on. We had a couple. Uh, we had two particular shoutouts, uh, and I'll give to two of our players. I'll shout out George, our friend George, who is also on Heart of the Podcast. Um, yep, shout he, out. George. He was the he was doing the best of us by far. He was three one x one at one point uh, after round four, so he was feeling very confident for somebody who has he was uh, debating between three decks going into the tournament, and he decided on Mathmec. And he's been he's been playing that deck for a long time and really learning the ins and outs. And when he, we play him locally, he's like getting to a point now where you hand trap him three times and he's like, okay, I have the OTK line. Like he just knows that he has it. And we'll always say like, we want you to play it out. And every time he does it, he plays it. Like, it's really cool to see someone who for so long was a Mystic Mind Exodia player or somebody who, or an Eldritch player who is very much on the floodgates, decide like focus on a combo deck and really get good with it. Um, and I'm glad he made the choice to go with Math Mech over Salomon Great uh, and Flu because he's just been playing. The other deck was Flu Andres, just because he's had way more practice with Math Mech, Math Mech locally. Um, yeah. Anything you want to say about George Nick? Yeah, I mean he did really, really well. He's a uh, Math Mech is interesting because he knows the lines in and out, like you said. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you can't, sometimes you just you can't stop the battle phase. It's going to happen. And then if you punch someone for eight thousand. And they can't stop it then that's it so i mean yeah he did really really he did really like i mean that's it right so he did really really well um math mac is a strong deck and um he's he's learned a lot of techs that go with math mac it's it's interesting because he used to really hate combo a lot and 
I mean, Mathmech is Mathmech is like a mid-range combo deck, but yeah, I mean, I think it's at the end of the day, that's just kind of like more powerful than floodgating your opponent. So um, mm -hmm. even I actually also just want to say, having watched him play, uh, it doesn't even always go for like the double punch access code line anymore. Uh, right. It seems like a lot of the time it just ends on like the big body, and then mm -hmm. he has learned how to uh, prevent dying, yeah, right? To just access, yeah, to just access code. So I mean, yeah, he did a really great job. Yeah, I think that he by far did the best of us. Uh, Joseph also did pretty well. Um, he was on he was on uh, Vanquish Souls. I think he was a lot of people's first Vanquish Souls player, uh, just because it's not we didn't see it. We haven't seen it a lot in our local area and. He was, he said, like, sometimes the deck just, for him, it's a lot more about learning the meta and learning what to go against. And um, he just was, he played very well. Um, but I did want to give a big shout out to our buddy Kevin. So for those who don't know, Kevin has been playing Yu-Gi-Oh for like six months total. Um, and he started with Dark World, so an extremely complicated combo deck. But he focused on his big thing, uh, and, Expert and I were talking about this a little bit. Um, his big thing was he was like, I have to keep skill drain in the main. It's my, like, I have to get to that card. I have to see that card or I can't win. He's and very insistent too. Very insistent while. in the beginning. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do dark world stuff and I'm not, I'm not going to hand loop you cause I don't know how to do it. I'm going to end on hope harbinger and skill drain and I'll stop your one spell and then hope you can't do anything. And now he's on branded and to see the growth that he had, granted he went X4, um, but to see his growth, this was his first big tournament event. He was feeling good. He was playing super well. He was learning. Uh, he was like experiencing new techs. He wasn't giving up. It was just one of those, like he was really fighting through and like doing everything he could. He didn't want, like even uh, he, at one point he was uh, at round four, he was X4. So he hadn't won yet, but he's like, I'm having a great time. I'm learning so much. I'm really enjoying it. And for someone who's brand new to the game, like I remember my first regional, I was X7. Um, I, for him, he was like, I'm really having fun. I'm really doing this. And, uh, he was like, learn, he was spending a lot more time focusing on what the right play was versus what the familiar play was, which is a really big change from somebody who was so reliant on floodgates a little while ago. Yeah, he did a nice job. He, he's got like a, I think we're a pretty, uh, accomplished play group in that we've just like, we've been playing long enough that we all really are very familiar with. Yu-Gi-Oh! So I think he's benefited from that, and I think that it showed in uh, the way he played. Um, he, uh, he, he, how do I say? It? He doesn't really struggle anymore with knowing the like technicalities of the game. Now it's more like he has to learn like to stop to read cards and to like mm -hmm. sort of anticipate like what interruption will be best when. And I know that sounds kind of stupid, right? Like reading a card is really important, but that's kind of like for some reason with Yu-Gi-Oh, that's like a hurdle that almost all players have to overcome because there's just so many cards. So it's kind of like instead of unless you play like, you know, almost daily, you're not going to memorize what every card does. So you just have to kind of get to a point where you sit, you read a card and then you get familiar with, OK, cards tend to do this if this happens, right? Like a rule of thumb is like the field spell that searches isn't usually the thing that you ash. Right, like that's not usually Correct. what you stop. You stop, and you only learn that by playing enough Yu-Gi-Oh and ashing the field spell, and then your opponent goes, "Cool, anyway." Right, I'm gonna do the whole thing anyway. Yeah, when you ash water enchantress, and they have right in hand, right yeah. Hand, hand, hand. yeah, or like the classic ashing a danger, and then your opponent goes, "Anyway, 
activate danger again. You know, oh, yeah, so activate Noko, the same danger. Right. Yeah. So like like an, an example of this is like uh, previously Kevin would ash unicorn for example to get the spell, and then I would almost always go cool theosis effect, and then he'd be like, fuck, I should have asked theosis, and I'm like a hundred percent. Like what? You, so so he got a lot better at those little technicalities, and I think that's kind of what differentiates a good player from a bad player, and um, that's nice to see. It was good. I'll also note with him, he is the only person in our playgroup aside from Joseph who, well, he's the only player who consistently plays branded. Myself, George, Nick, even Joseph, not big branded players. So he's he had to learn the deck on his own essentially. Like we could tell him like oh outside this is influences where, you mean yeah yeah, yeah. like okay. this is where we this is where we know to stop at branded, but we can't tell you the playline because none of us play it. So for him. It's that like actively seeking out how do I get better versus just doing the same things over and over. Like he's re he's researching, checking the text, going to the Facebook groups and stuff. Like he he's doing a lot of work. He reminds me a bit of who you were talking about with Daryl, where it's like in a couple in a little bit of time, I could see him being a lot like getting a lot better if he continues to play the way that he's playing. And he also picked up a very like two extremely complicated decks to start with Dark World and Branded. Like I want to personally shout out Kevin as well. I've met him for the first time, although I'm in a side chat and I've conversated with him for a couple, you know, for a while, mm -hmm. but it's my first time meeting him and meeting him in person. He's got a lot of potential. He's got a lot. So my theory kind of with uh, beginning players is, because I talked about this very briefly in, in an old episode where we were talking about the the concern of, that Konami had with retaining new players. Mm -hmm. And my theory was that in order for a player to be retained, they just have to love the game. Like there's just so much going on in this game that in order for you to really get good at it, you have to immerse yourself in mm -hmm. the game. Like you have to literally deep dive and just like, take in as much as you can so it can be very very overwhelming for newer players to come in here and be like okay so not only is there an, a normal summon that i can do once per turn but there's mad sub special summons and all right i can special summon from what's called an extra deck and then these purple cards have to be set but <laughs> the green ones that have a lightning bolt have to be set too if they want to get played on my opponent's turn but if i set them i can't play them the turn i set them even though they're still a green card there's just so many things that you have yeah. to learn yeah, and yeah. especially as a new player picking up decks that are kind of like how we said we're talking about with george like when you're playing more stun decks and you're relying more heavily on floodgates and personally i think that floodgates are more of like a bridge to help newer players sorry it's a it's a crutch that newer players can lean on to help bridge the gap between when a newer player or a, a less experienced player has to play a good player in the aspect of they're playing things that tell the opponent no instead of playing things to be able to do things themselves like to be able to accomplish what the point of a deck is or you know whatever a combo leads to instead of doing something like that or not feeling confident in themselves not knowing how to combo because i used to be a player like that you just rely mm -hmm. heavily on floodgates like yeah. rivalry skill drain anti-spell you just tell your opponent no because you have no idea of how to maneuver the waters of when you get interrupted uh when yeah. you get stopped at a certain point what how do i get to the next step it's very very intimidating so i can see why some people would fall really heavily to those floodgates but i do commend and kudos to kevin for picking up not only one but two decks right off the gate that are very very intricate having to know the priority effect having to know uh, with that with dark lords having to know priority effects and my uh, mandatory like grapha like has to happen uh then learning things like discard for cost discard for effect uh 
the effect if it gets discarded by an opponent's card because or card effect because those you know card text can be very very complicated to new players so very big big shout out to kevin for not only holding it down and like you said because like i saw the way he was interacting with brendan shout out to brendan uh when we were play testing on friday the night before because brendan is one of our better uh despia player we only have a, a handful of them there but they all kind of click together and they all are on very similar deck list because they all you know talk game plan mm -hmm. and strategy deck list and stuff like that so it's good for like you said kevin to learn these things by himself and apply them towards your group so that way if any of you guys are ever you know interested in despy or something like that or have a question on where do i hit here or, oh this new tech ha ha came out how do i go about it he's now going to be the one that's going to be able to tell you those texts be able to tell you where to hit now and like the better a player he gets the better player you guys get by default so yeah. you know kudos to him also i'll shout out kevin because i've never ever seen anyone lose to exodia in my life and <laughs> i got through. he did get exodia watch this nigga get exodia so and i think the I think the highlight of my weekend is for those who don't know, Kevin was playing right next to me in one of the rounds, and apparently he's playing this Exodia player, and I'm playing my match, and I'm not really focusing too much on him. And all of a sudden, in the middle of my match, I get a tap on the shoulder, and it's Kevin, and he leans over to me and he goes, "Hey X, so can I use this card in my hand to stop what he's doing right now?" And he's pointing at Mercurier. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, all right, let me look at his board. And I look at his board, and his opponent has the head of Exodia, the left and right arm of Exodia, and the left and right legs of Exodia <laughs> all out on his field right now. And I'm like, oh, wait, yo, did this nigga just play Exodia on you? And the yeah. guy very happily said, I did. Yep. yep. <laughs> and so I looked over at Kevin. I said, yeah, nigga, that's not doing shit. You gotta scoop your cards right now. <laughs> yeah, like that is you've not already... an activated effect. Yeah, you are done. The, the you've already over. lost. Yeah, you already lost. <laughs> you've lost. But the, the second you tapped me on the shoulder, it was already done, dog. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but it, like, kudos to Kevin for it, we and like, of course, been playing for six months. We never, we've never thought to think of Exodia to tell him about. Um, but kudos to him for being like, no, wait, I know it's a monster. Can I use this monster effect to stop? Can I use this monster negate to stop it? Like, yeah, at least yeah, he's yeah. thinking, like, I understood his mentality, yeah, but yeah, at the same yeah. point, I was like, yeah, dog, that's definitely not yeah. how this shit works. <laughs> um, you lost, just no. lost, my guy. Sorry. Yeah. It'll probably well, never we'll happen to him again. Yeah. Honestly. No, next time it's <laughs> Destiny Board. Hopefully. That'd be really funny. I don't think I've, I mean, in all my time playing Yu Gi Oh!, I've never been exodied by anybody. Except I can't remember if, remember if George is exodied. I feel like me. George exodied on all, all of us at least once because Mystic yeah. Mind was gonna happen. See, that's anyway. that shit, dog. See, that's that mm -hmm. shit. And even the Crooked Cook Exodia shit, like, come oh, on. Oh yeah. Why are we yeah, doing yeah. this? Um, yeah. But uh, speaking of rogue shit like Exodia, just the before we close out the uh, regional mm -hmm. tab. So, like, what were the decks that you guys were expecting to see, and then what were the decks that you actually played against, and how well did you guys think you did compared to how well you thought you were going to do? the Friday before? So I think I expected, uh, and I, I was talking with a couple people, a couple people, including y'all about this. I was very expecting to see a wide variety of decks because we're in this weird time in Yu-Gi-Oh where the when the world championship just ended, uh, the Megatons just got released. Around this time is also when we're getting a new ban list at some point in the next couple weeks. And yeah, the top decks have been running around for a bit, um, meaning Kashtira, um, Branded and Pirelli. Uh, so I was expecting to see more people trying out new stuff in this kind of little uh, sort of in-between uh, space. So I was, I and for me at least, I saw, I played against six different decks. Um, but one, uh, like, at the with the exception of Branded, I played against decks that I expected to play against. 
Um, mm -hmm. So I was a little surprised. I was not totally surprised um, to see what I saw. I think that I, I was playing Pirelli, so I felt very confident with uh, Pirelli, but I think part of the benefit and not benefit of our de of our sort of play group is um, we tend to play, like, we were all preparing for this regional um, over the past couple weeks, so all of us honed in on one deck uh, to play against, so I got a lot of practice against Kashtir, I got a lot of practice against Mathmec, I got a lot of practice against Branded, but I didn't have as much pra a practice against one of the other things that I played against, like, Unchained. Like yes. I didn't have, I've, I've only yep. played against that deck once and not at, at a regional and not with any of the new stuff. So that deck, I knew what the cards did, but to see a player actually know what they're doing was easy to follow what they were doing. But it was, I just didn't, like I was, I could, it was hard to anticipate the next move because of the places that I interrupted him. Cause I tend to interrupt people at weird places. Um, he was still able to like go through it and i think i wasn't expecting the level of competency with rogue that i saw like, yeah people were really good with their rogue decks yeah yes. and not only were they yes. doing good they were like really excelling and like yeah. i was seeing rogue at like tables like five six seven like yeah. mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. top 10 tables had rogue at it like yeah it was insane. like all day yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. By round six, round seven, <laughs> round eight, I'm being told yeah. that, oh, yeah, I just played against Dino Morphia. Yeah, yeah, I just played against, uh, what was it, like, Manadium. Like, bro, mm -hmm, it was, like, mm -hmm. insane, the, the amount of decks that were really, really out there putting in the reps. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to agree with Mel here. I uh, I kind of went in expecting to see, like, the mirror match with Kashtira. I was ready for Pirelli, and I was ready for Branded. Uh, I didn't play any of those. I played... Uh, I played uh, Infernoble, which uh, was interesting because it's very different than it was back in the day. So I, I, I learned a lot from that matchup. Uh, I played Sword Soul, and the only reason uh, that was notable was because um, I've never seen a Sword Soul player play Anti Spell, so that was that was different. Um, I have, it's like I said, Floodgates dog. Yeah, so uh, I mean, he, <laughs> like, like, like I mean, but I'm very familiar with that matchup because it's a little older. And then the rest was like stuff that I like I could see being there, but I didn't think. Like I played a Sprite runic player but it looked like they were on more like normally that's like 50 50 with a lot of runic stuff but it was like he was like almost all sprite with the occasional runic splash which i thought was weird uh i played against a dinomorphia player that i defeated i didn't really expect to play against that at all mm -hmm. uh and then i played against a makanko player which uh again i was like okay makanko sure uh so it was interesting i um i felt like i was I feel like i really feel like thinking back i went two and four I don't think I misplayed at all. Like, I, I can't think of any games where I was like, yeah, I really clearly misplayed. Because um, I don't really think I did. I went 2-1 in most of my games, whether I won or I lost. Um, I think I 2 0 the Dino Morphia player. But, like, uh, I feel, like, good about how I played. Um, a lot of the time, I lost. And I, I think I feel like I could attribute it to having brought Cash Tira. Uh, most people brought, like, 9 to 12 outs for it, basically, more or less. So, uh... You know, I feel like it was okay. I feel like the play. I feel like I feel good about how I played. I feel I feel like it went pretty well. Um, but yeah, it's a very diverse. There's a lot of diversity. Um, you know, for all the complaining about how much gatekeeping Kashtir is doing, it doesn't really seem like it is. So, <laughs> so uh, did the room seem uh, balanced to you guys, or did it seem like there was definitely a far and away best deck in the room? Uh, I'm still of the opinion. I think Kashtir is still far and away the best deck, but I think far and away it, for sure. Yeah, mainly because if you, like, 
we've talked about like Nick and I have argued about this and talked about this, but like sometimes with Keshira, if you don't draw the out, you're not playing. And yeah. like that's it's a rise heart. And then I had played against a couple stuff that was like they had some new tech uh, new text in, and I think while Keshira is far and away the best, any deck that has aside from tier element that has a huge target on his back is not going to have a great day all the time and it's really going to be more i would say more luck and skill based than traditional decks would have like yeah. pirelli happens to lose to all of the same stuff that kestira does but if kestira wasn't around pirelli would be the top deck and it would be yeah. it's hard to there are some slightly different things that pirelli loses to that were were people citing 10 or 11 cards for pirelli yeah pirelli would not have would it might still be taking a a big percentage of the top yeah, card, but it's going to be, it's gonna be a tough road. They still use the same power spells. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I understand, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And it's true what you said about Keshtira in terms of how the games go. I mean, in my experience with Keshtira, the games are either you, either you or your, it's like there's there's two really, two routes that happen with Keshtira. You either uh, send your opponent into the sun and they can't do anything, or they absolutely destroy your board with one of the outs that they draw and you can't recover at all or uh more rarely you have like a grind game with cashier where they like maybe they out your arise heart but they can't get rid of everything so then the next turn because you have birth maybe you like start the whole combo again and and those grind games are more fun but they're a little rare uh my games at the regional and this is exactly what i expected so i wasn't surprised at all my games at the regional were all either me or my opponent uh absolutely toppling each like other blowouts. like yeah, i had blowouts. no yeah i had no grind games with kestira it was either my opponent played one card and then i made them scoop or i set up my whole kestira board and then they were like cool book of eclipse and i was like yep don't have lance so i guess i lose and and that's just yeah. the nature of kestira so i i get why kestira is a very polarizing deck for that reason because it's uh it's not fun to either sit through a combo and lose completely like irrevoc irrevocably uh, it's not fun to experience that, and then it's not fun to not really play with your opponent because you just beat them so badly that they can't do anything. So I get why it's very polarizing, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I felt like uh, just from maybe not the regional, I didn't play against Pirelli, but I felt like within the group when we were playing at your house X, I felt, frankly, and I'm, maybe I'm a little biased, but I felt like Pirelli was substantially more oppressive than Keshtira. And the reason I say that is not because of any of their cards. That's I just because Jake had nine cards in his hand against you. That's true. That's true. He I mean, that's the thing. When you're, so, but this is exactly it, though. Like, I didn't feel like any of Pirelli's cards were like, oh, it's so crazy. I can't believe it. With the exception of Sleepy Draw Six, I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's a little bomb. And I mean, yeah, of course, if your opponent draws six, of course they're gonna out your board. They drew six, right? Like, uh, they they drew. They have to have drawn an answer, you know. So I feel like, uh, I feel like that's a little, uh, a little frustrating. I don't know if other people find that a little frustrating about Pirelli, but I certainly do. The draw power is, it's too much. I think frankly. the one part about that one interaction that I don't like that I would quote unquote complain about, because I don't really complain about a lot, is would be the fact that I have to, as a cash player, let you get those draws because to, my yeah. out to Pirelli, obviously it's Forbidden Lance, but I can't Forbidden Lance in the draw phase. Because the other outs for Pirelli are like Book of Moon and Book of Eclipses. So if I force the draw phase Book of Eclipse, they're just going to Pirelli leap into the mm -hmm. Noir, which is now it's unaffected. doesn't matter. They're going to draw three anyway. Mm -hmm. Or I hit Book of Moon, they hit they hit the leap, and I chalice it so they can't leap. But then now they get the draws anyway. So like my yeah. point was, 
you really cannot stop them from drawing. They are gonna draw. Like that I have to get it through my head sometimes that all right, this nigga's gonna draw regardless of what yeah. I do. So let him get whatever minuscule amount of draws because he's only gonna do it once if I use this. Uh, this sorry, he's only gonna do it once if I use this lance right. So yeah. and then it's just like my little ick with the deck. Yeah, and then I find a lot of the time that even if you do out the whole Pirelli board because you have the answer to Noir or something, or you or you like Lance when they leap, uh, then they have seven cards in hand, so they're just gonna kill you on the crackback if you don't kill them. And and that's like fine, you know. Decks are allowed to be good, obviously. It's just. Uh, uh, draw one or draw two feels less unfair than draw six. Yeah, like, which, it's just straight up. <laughs> it's a pearly player. It's like, if you can get that, they do yeah, have to commit win. to that, though. I'll give them that. It is a commitment to the draw six because then they, yeah. they have to use the street to put that underneath there. You yeah, know yeah they, so a lot, a lot of things have to go right. Shit, so. A lot of yeah, things exactly. have to go so right. So it yeah. is a commitment, but right. the ability to do it and at what rate is what I guess is the real annoying yeah. point. Like, them niggas is always drawing cards in the sandbox. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think. We, I don't, we probably won't talk about Banless, but that's... I think that card is going to one. Yeah. Fairly comp. It's either that or they're going to put my friend to one. Um, and preferring Sleepy Memory. But if they do put Sleepy to one, I would very much like Delicious to two or three. Because the deck can't play without its quick plays. And that's yeah. effectively... Or at least give you a new quick play. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's sure, the way yeah. I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Give it something lighter. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, and I feel like this might be not a very popular opinion, but I, I don't know. I just... I feel like something that I really don't like about Yu-Gi-Oh! actually is um, I don't like when decks do a bunch of shit on the draw phase. This is maybe my Yugi boomer talking here. Yep. Uh, that annoys the shit out of me. I think it really should be, you just fucking draw. And then you can do everything in the standby phase. But like, I, it just irritates me. I feel like, uh, like, I think it's like, oh, in the draw phase, do all this shit. I'm like, what the fuck? We're in the draw phase. Hey, niggas gotta I, play just, around like, Droll, dog. That's just, right. Yeah, but like, but like, I think they should errata Droll so that you can't fucking do that. I think that's stupid as fuck. To be quite honest with you, I think it's like, I'm gonna play around Droll. Errata Droll so you can't do it in the yeah, draw I phase? Think, I think it's stupid that no, they're that like, you can, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, it has to be main phase. No, I think they should errata Droll so that you can do it anytime. Because I think it's really stupid that it's like, I'm going to do all no. this in the draw phase so Everything that, I'm, so that I can play so that I can yeah. play around Droll because they printed Droll a while ago. I think that's dumb as fuck. So that's that's no. my, that's my radical out, opinion. That is a radical opinion. Yeah, no one's with you on that. That's okay. <laughs> I think it's a reflection of the of the intricacies of Yu-Gi-Oh that people, ha that people have to think about and do those kinds things of things to dodge phase. those yeah, hand correct. traps. I agree with that. It's the same reason that people sometimes hold shifter past turn and that like they pass their turn, Kestira players, then they sh you shift to your opponent when they're going second. And then it's shifter is alive on your turn. So you can dodge things like droll because it's still live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you know, know damn well, you're not doing shit on your turn. You can hold it. Yeah. I used to shifter yeah. in the draw. F I used to drop shifter in the sh uh, standby phase. Now I just fucking do it in the draw phase. Whatever. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. You can't do it in the draw that phase. Shot I shotgun that shit. Like you, you Hakushu, shotgun. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, like, listen, that's the way it is, you know. But going into one of our last topics, I don't want to take up too much of your guys' times, but I do want to pick your brains on this because I'm very, very eager to see how you guys view this. But New York City invaded Syracuse at a very particular time in the mm -hmm. last final week of the Cuse Summer League. So for those who don't know what it is, the Summer League is when a local throws a more like a league-esque. So it's like the same OTS that you'd normally go to, but they, you get points for entering. You get points for going undefeated in Swiss. 
You get points for reaching top cut, and then you get points for winning tournaments. And at the end of, I think, like two months, maybe it's eight weeks or something like that, there, uh, Konami will send product into the store and it gets divvied up amongst the winners of top eight for the season. So it gets very, very, very competitive, very sweaty, very try hard, very uh, statistical. It gets very, very analytical, very anal. Everyone's on edge. <laughs> the, like it's like the, almost it's like the best and worst time in Syracuse, like Yu-Gi-Oh. And I, and you guys came at, at a time where it was the last week, so we were trying to get all of our points and like make sure we solidified our standings because a lot of things were still in the air as you guys were hearing in, in the the flutter of the crowds. Sure. So, what were your guys' thoughts on the Syracuse community as a whole, and then on how the gameplay, like the like not like the people as a whole, and then how you thought the the players were overall when you played against them from Syracuse. So I think the concept of Summer League is really cool. Um, I think that the idea that in addition to playing like to get OTS packs, you're also playing for like points in a league and anybody can go at any point is a cool concept. And it was really interesting to come in at the end of it and see like what has clearly been a very strong community come together and say like these people, like figuring out the math of like if this person loses and this person wins out, they can take over the top spot or <laughs> You know, this person can get uh, top eight if they just win, if they win out today. Um, it's just like this, it was a cool thing to see. Um, Nick, I don't know if you had any feelings about the Summer League concept before we talk about people. Um, I like it a lot. I kind of wish we had something like that. Our uh, our locals is uh, substantially more casual than that. Actually, mm -hmm. it's substantially more casual in every way, which is fine. But uh, I do really like the idea of a league where you're competing for points. I think it's a nice motivating factor. Yeah. And uh it's a cool idea. I like it a lot. Um, I think it breeds competition and it makes people uh, really want to push. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think in terms of players, uh, I would say definitely, I would say Syracuse players, the ones that we've we played against at Your Place X and then at also what I saw at uh, Comic Zone um, are more comparable to Gamer's Choice than to Squeaky's. Um, mm -hmm. Squiggy's, like Nick said, is an extremely casual um, local scene. Uh, you'll get maybe four to, I mean, we week to week, we get an average of six to maybe 15 players, whereas you all were at 30. I mean, I don't, granted, it was probably more because of the summer league, but <laughs> 31. I can imagine. <laughs> 31. Um, <laughs> I imagine, well, five of those were us, so more like 26. Hey, 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 hey. that's true. <laughs> that's true. 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 Um, but I think uh, it, it was just, it was really cool to see a very a, like a really clear community-based local event to see a tournament organizer that actually is invested versus someone who's just there to make a quick buck yeah um, very true and the player base is definitely closer to gamers choice in terms of like skill level and what you're going to actually see like squiggies will see maybe somebody pulls like sword soul blue eyes manadium exodia and we're like what the fuck is this yeah um, it's usually there's a lot of piles at squiggies yeah People like a lot of piles there. That's guys got to try their cards out. Yeah, like like Joe will be like, oh, I went like, I I I didn't lose a single match, and I'm like, what'd you play against, Joe? Did you play against fucking Dark Magician? Silver Fang, Silver Fang set. No, I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm just teasing Joe because I want him to hear this specifically, and then message me in the chat and be like, yo, Nick, what's good? No, Squeaky's is great. It's just you know a lot more casual. Yeah, yeah. I think in terms of yeah, like the players. 
it's not it's much more it's much closer to gamer's choice and shout out like gamer's choice averages like 40 to 50 people a night but that's they are a Yu-Gi-Oh shop that is their dedicated thing and they are by far the most competitive in new york city and just based solely on the population size of new york city you're gonna get a large number of people coming out every day the every day but that's the difference between gamers choice they have they have a tournament every single day like that is yeah, their primary they... mode of business whereas comic zone and even millennium games and squiggies they are hard shop second they are other they are like board yeah. game or comic places yeah. first yeah yeah they're gamers brick and choice, mortar first gamers yeah. choice is also uh i will say uh gamers choice is in my experience um less friendly to be quite honest with you it's just it's just yes, not as friendly correct. When, and, when uh, you, have, that you have to compromise that for competitive atmosphere no and that's I fine i i'm just saying like i felt like the syracuse locals was frankly extremely competitive but everybody was very friendly right yeah. where gamers choice i've had some I've, I've had some experiences at gamers choice that are <laughs> not the friendly you haven't seen some of syracuse's meltdowns dogs no i guess i have i guess <laughs> i have Syracuse players be having yeah. some melt downs yeah um, and i don't gotta name no names now because y'all listening <laughs> hey y'all know who the fuck y'all is because the the people have told you guys but hey man i've got you really haven't seen it but too. It's, I, it's gotten I, so I, we've had some weird weird moments at our locals i've, I've gotten really mad at Yu Gi Oh too but uh, really nick you've you've gotten mad no i would never believe it yeah there's one I time to, i wanted to there's one time i wanted nick to rip joseph. Nah, i wanted to no no well maybe but i wanted there's one time i just wanted to like rip joseph's head off but yeah i don't even remember why i think i have to do with uh I don't even remember what deck he was playing. I guess it wasn't I don't remember you were you were very angry. I was, I was so like, y'all need mad. to if y'all are gonna y'all need to get out of my apartment if you're gonna do something. I, but but I've got a lot I've gotten a lot better at chilling. Uh yeah. So so yeah, so so gamer's choice is a little less friendly. I'll also say, uh I think that the good thing I liked about Syracuse was that even when I like law I so I went one and one because then we had to bounce. Uh mm -hmm. And, you know, every time, like, my my opponent and I, we would, like, talk about stuff. It'd be like, like, one of my opponents, he was like, hey, what, what do I do in this situation against uh, Kashtir? And I was like, I would personally do this. I think this is what I would do. Uh, so it was cool. It was it was a really friendly atmosphere. I liked it a lot. Um, so uh, I want to give a shout out also just, just this whole weekend in general. I was really surprised both at the locals and at the event at the extent to which I saw Fluanderese. Wasn't expecting it, really, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's truthfully a pretty hard matchup for a Kashtir, actually, I'm wonder I'm learning. Because I know Fluanderese inside and out. I played Fluanderese a lot, and I know exactly when to interrupt them. And uh, it's tough. Kashtir has a little bit of a tough time because Flu doesn't give a shit about a lot of the interruptions that you set up. So that was cool, and uh, I liked seeing that. I, I enjoy Fluanderese because now that Statue's gone, uh, you have to actually think when you play that deck, and it's it's actually quite rewarding when you do well with it. It's pretty nice. So, um, yeah. I went two zero on at Comic Zone, and then we had to bounce. But it was it was cool to play. Uh, it was cool to play against the people. I, I feel bad for my first opponent; he bricked very heavily. But um, yeah. that's just sometimes happens. And yeah, you know. fuck <laughs> My opponent, my um, opponent, my opponent bricked two actually, which was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my my second opponent. No, no disrespect to him, but I'm also reminded that like it is local, so you're probably not going to see the most competitive decks. I he normal summoned Unizombie, I impermed, and he passed. And I'm like, all yeah. right, this is the local. This is the locals I'm used to, and it's a it's, good reminder it that yeah. you're going to see that. Home. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, happiness OTK. I felt yeah. really bad because he had never played Pirelli, and he was like, he said to me. He was like, oh, I'm probably not going to see this deck because you're going back to the city. And I was like, bro, there are three people here right now playing this deck. And he's like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> I have to yeah. learn what they do. 
I mean, yeah. that's 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 what happens. I mean, at our uh, at Squiggies, I don't go to Squiggies too much, but at Squiggies, uh, I think the the our group like because we it's like me, Joe, Mel, George, uh, Kevin, Demetrius, and then our friend James. It's like seven of us. We have a pretty mm -hmm. big group of people. I would argue that at Squiggies, we are probably the most competitive people there, and uh, yeah. we don't even like. I, I I don't even really consider myself like deeply competitive with Yu-Gi-Oh! I'd be like, I'm like semi-competitive. I'm definitely not a casual player, but I'm not like, I just don't have like the resources and the like external life things to go to like tournaments like very frequently. Like I have other shit I have to do. So like people are like, oh, how do you play? I'm like, ah, like semi-competitively, definitely not casual, you know? So like keeping that in mind, it, Squiggies is just a different experience. Also like the, the, the space at Squiggies is very, very small, very small. Yeah. Very tight. Yeah. We do have a lot of very uh, competitive players. You have like a higher proportion, a higher proportion yeah. for sure. Yeah. I can walk into any Syracuse locals, look at the crowd, scan to see any faces I know, and tell you right off the bat from round one who's going to be in top eight. <laughs> yeah, like because you're like, it's, oh, I know it's him. Almost I know like he's that. very good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I know that like Eric Christensen is gonna get top cut. I know anytime Ryan Apps there, he's gonna get top cut. I know anytime Brendan or Albert there, uh, with the exception, unless Albert's trolling on some you know rogue deck, they're gonna get top <laughs> cut. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There's like the, the Jake is gonna get top cut. There's a bunch of guys who are, I just know like if they're in the room, if I have to go against them or if I have to go against them, it's gonna be a problem. Or if I face them in top cut, I'm at least catering my side deck for those players. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like, well, those, we almost can't take it as very, very seriously when we do our competitive practicing for like regionals and shit because everyone knows everyone's play style. So we yeah. have to like, yes, yeah, yeah, our side decks are catered against certain players, not against certain decks, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's why I, I was very proud of everyone for doing well because usually at a local setting, it's very catered to like those certain 40 people. Whereas at a regional, there's going to be well over 150, 200, maybe even somewhere upwards of like three, 400, depending on where you go. And like all those players are brand new to you. You may not have played against them before. You play against them very irregularly. So like you can't pick up on certain yeah. things. Like if you have a, if I know against, if I play against Devon, if I set a back row that even if it's just a bluff, this nigga is going to th throw everything uh, at the field just to get rid of this uh, one back row where, yeah. you know, because I just know he just hates back row. Whereas it's very true. if I set a card and bluff, someone's might be like, all right, well, fuck that face down card. I'm going to full combo and make you fo force you to play it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I yeah. sometimes play that game as well. So there are a lot of competitive players in our scene. Yeah. So I give them all kudos. But speaking of <laughs> competitive players, I do have the standings for mm -hmm. our the very final standings for the last day of the Syracuse Summer League. And they are thus follows. Your top eight officially for the 2023 Syracuse Summer League are as follows. You have Ryan App in first place with 30 points. In second place, we have Brendan Agnant with 29 points. Right behind them. So close. In, th in third place, we have Jake Curtis with 26 points. In fourth place, we have Albert Park with 25 points. Right there. Once again, right behind there. And Fifth place, we have Brad Stevens. He was leading Summer League for like five or six weeks. Like literally up until like the last few weeks, Brad was in first place. But he uh, finished with 24 points. We have uh, AJ in sixth place with 23 points. Austin, uh, Queen of Despia, she finished seventh place with 21 points. Nice. And then in eighth place, you got your boy, the official one, the realest <laughs> boy player X, 
with 18 points. Nice. So that is the Syracuse official top eight. So congratulations to everyone who uh, did well. I think uh, if we were to do points uh, outside of that, ninth place, the honorable mention would be Ryan Kimball. So shout out to him. He's another player who kind of came in very, very early on, I would say within like the last four or five months, and then decided that he wanted to get really good with the decks and started picking up better decks instead of like the more casual, fun ones and said, all right, I'm going to get good. And he's putting in work, man. You got ninth place, so... Let's see what you can do next year, man. I can't wait to see what you do at one of these regionals. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, before we close out, though, I got one more question for you guys. And I just, I'm just curious. So you guys drove up here Friday night and you guys got up here. Or sorry, Friday Friday morning, you got up here. Mm-hmm. And you guys played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! over the weekend. So I'm just yep. curious to your thoughts. What do you guys think or who do you guys think was your toughest opponent all weekend? whether it be at the regional, whether it be playtesting at the crib, whether it be at the Syracuse locals, whatever game it was, who do you think your toughest opponent was all weekend? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good question. Um, yeah, take your time. Mostly because um, he knows a lot about Pirelli because he plays it himself. So it was a tough matchup to like go against uh i would i would say jake was a pretty was pretty tough because he's on pirelli too so like part of the thing part of the advantage with pirelli is that there are their cards do sometimes do quite a few many things that people don't know or they're like what does that one do again but jake knew exactly like he knew the play lines that i would be going for like he was smart about putting his mon like when he didn't have a lot he was putting his monsters in defense mode so that he knew that i couldn't get to happiness otk um he knew a lot of like he taught me things about like how my friend doesn't target the things that it's trying to add back in the graveyard it's just like you have to respond to it um i would say jake was probably my tougher one um i feel like it would have been ryan had he not bricked um but he hard bricked both games yeah um, ryan's just ass (laughs) (laughs) ass number one syracuse summer league player (laughs) yeah yeah he's just buns no ryan's really good but he's he's like the trash yeah, sure. I was gonna say Jake as well, actually, because he's just a very knowledgeable player and he knows exactly what Kestir does. So um, there wasn't really like I, there wasn't a lot I could do. That's part of the problem is that if you if you know Kestir really well, it's it's plays are like extremely telegraphed. It's usually like he like uh, Jake was at the point with Kestir where he was like, I know exactly what you're gonna do based on the very first card you play, and. Uh, then it kind of just boiled down to, well, does he have the out? But of course, right? If you're playing, you know that you're in a format where Kashtir is really strong, you probably do have the out. So I, I, the only benefit of that was um, I learned a lot about playing against Pirelli from him. He's he's pretty good at teaching. He'd be like, oh, you should have done this or this maybe, and it could have mm-hmm. helped. Um, I didn't get too owed by him, so that's nice. You know, yeah. that's always good. But yeah, he was he was very tough. And I guess uh, follow-up would be uh, the first guy I played at the regional, the Infernoble player. He did, uh, I just didn't open any hand traps, and uh, he did full combo, and I played like, I, I, my, my play was planet to search, and he was like, Ash, and I was like, all right, game two. So that was fun. I don't know if I'm going to say that's a strong player, but he certainly he certainly made one of the combos of all time, so that was the thing. Yeah, I was I was about to say, I played it also in Infernoble, it was actually winner kills, um, and he, it was, he played through, like, I w- it was shout out to Winter Kills because yeah, Winter he's Kills. been on the uh, the podcast before and he's also yes, one he of has. the uh, Buffalo uh, powerhouses out there. So definitely yep. big mm-hmm. shout out to him. He gave you a shout out when I was playing against him because I, I I talked to him about it and he was very he was like oh yeah I love being on that episode. He was he's a, Xavier's a dope dude. 
Um, nice. But he was he was tough in that he didn't know he knew he just drew one extra out, but he knew when to play like the exact negates. Like he had, I think, a spell trap negate, and he ultimately had three monster negates. But he and he had one omni negate, and he knew exactly when to use the omni negate, which I think is a mark of a really strong player. Is like don't just burn your omni negate as soon as you can. Like exactly. use your other negates first so that you can save it. So he he had like he had two imperm set, and if he didn't have the second one, I might have been able to break his board, but. Uh, he was also a very tough ma tough match. Yeah, for sure. But all that doesn't matter because Xavier beat Jake. So, J so Xavier <laughs> Yo, was really tough. I 2 0 Jake, and then I beat Jake 2-1. Well, I beat Jake 2-1 in Swiss, and then I 2 0 his bum ass in top cut. <laughs> I played him in the last round of Swiss. I Jake was wondering if he was even going to bubble or not, and then they said his name, and then they immediately followed it with my name. I'm like, damn, I gotta run it right back with you. We didn't even have to get up. We just put we we brought our backpacks back up and just reset everything back up. I sent his ass home right afterwards. But, uh, but Jake is a, is a great person. It's, it, was, it was really funny while I was listening to you guys speak. I was actually thinking in my head uh, that the OGs of the Syracuse group, like uh, people like maybe Eric Christensen, Dan Vrabel, uh, guys like that. When, who've been playing in the Syracuse community for like the longest amount of time, like they, they're really really shocked to see how, when we say things like Jake won locals or Jake got Jake split. That's what and I've heard too. They were like, yo, they were like, yo, how are you letting this bum like win? But like I've only known Jake, and I guess I'll give him his flowers because I don't ever, I don't, I would never say this shit to his face, but I guess I can speak about him behind his back. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know, he ever since I've known him, he's always been a very very skillful player. Very, very knowledgeable on, on the decks that he's played. Even if he, he used to play shit decks, don't get me wrong. This motherfucker used to play Magical Musketeers and fucking yeah. uh, <laughs> Trap Tricks. All these all other like shit. weird, opaque-ass fucking decks. You know what I'm saying? So like, and, <laughs> But he would still do like semi-decent with them. He just would never do well. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what it was with him, but he, he a switch hit. Remember that switch I was telling you about where it's like, all right, yeah. I'm tired of losing. Let's, 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 let's play. This motherfucker switch hit. And as soon as it hit, this motherfucker didn't look back. This Jake got really, really good, really, really fast to the point where it's shocking to older players when I say that Jake is third place at fucking the summer, Syracuse Summer League. That right. Jake got four invites last year and and, yeah, yeah. and basically uh, almost won a PS4, but they just called it early or some shit like that. And then he, mm -hmm. he had to play package Shu Ping and all them. But... A, like a, a great player and like as you also said he's a very good teacher because yeah. he's learned so much and he started from the bottom i feel like when you start from the bottom you you get to really grind those nitty-gritty parts and like those intricacies like someone probably did try to target some shit in his graveyard and he yeah. learned you know that shit doesn't target and now yeah, he's able yeah. to tell you like yo don't like don't let that shit happen which don't improves you happen. as a player yeah. Exactly, you know what I'm saying. So he's—I'll give him his flowers. He definitely is a, a phenomenal player, and most people will argue in, in all the Syracuse, you know, discussions and shit that you know Jake's trash and whatever like that. And like, even though X2 owed him, he's you know he's buns and whatever. But <laughs> I, although I do agree with him, he is trash, and I do you know <laughs> shit on him. He is a phenomenal player, and when we go regionally, I do take his word into account. Like even to the point where Jake is in my respect to when we went to nationals, me and Jake who was who's probably one of the other better cash tira players in the area and for someone who wasn't even really on the deck for like the last couple months uh we planned out the deck and played mirror uh, almost mirror i think we had a three card difference 
yeah. uh, almost mirrored Dax for nationals because we I valued his opinion so much that I wanted to build a deck with him, and he was knowledgeable enough to be able to do that. So yeah. kudos to Jake. Uh, I'll shout um, that motherfucker out. You you get one kudos, and then the rest is your ass. <laughs> the other <laughs> highlight of the weekend, I think, in addition to all that happened and Kevin getting exodied, was Joseph's call out of the Syracuse community <laughs> and the oh, force of whatever deity you believe in that decided, you know what, at the summer league on Sunday, just for and to give he's gonna put his money where his mouth is. Yep, Joseph was he put on the Syracuse Facebook group. He's like. New York City's coming up. We're here. We're gonna, you know, dominate everybody. Blah blah blah. Because Joseph's a shit talker, and then oh, yeah. Eric Christensen's like, "You want to put your money where your mouth is?" Eric Christensen, who is the second, like the runner up, the second best NA player, like yeah. on record. <laughs> yeah, yep. dude. Uh, he goes, "Do you like? How about we do a money match?" And uh, he fucking <laughs> Joseph's like, "Nah, I don't think that that's. A, I don't think I can do it because everybody in the group's like, nah, you don't. You're gonna lose your money. You might as well just." Yeah, I think. What'd you say, X? You were like, you're, your ex, you were like, uh, think of it like paying five hundred dollars to play. You're like, you're gonna yeah. lose. Yeah, you're okay. gonna yeah, lose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some divine intervention decides. You know what? First round of locals on Sunday, Joseph and Eric are playing each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know guess how. What Go ahead and take a wild guess. Wild guess. Eric wins. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shot in the dark, Eric wins. And Eric is it was really I didn't get a chance to speak to him, but he is a very it, like from what I saw, he's a very chill, cool dude. I would not have expected a top, top, top Yu-Gi-Oh player to be as chill as he is. He was super nice. I spoke yeah. to him a little bit too. He was very nice, very approachable. I, I would yeah. say at the end at the end of the day, Eric's probably because I've got a very, very different view than Eric, as well as all of the people down in Florida have a very, very different view of Eric than most of like the people around here because mm -hmm. you guys think he's so chill. There's a time where Eric was really grinding it down and like, cause like I'm, I'm under the belief to be very, very good at this game. You almost sor sorta kinda have to have an ego attached to it. Cause that's the only yeah. thing that drives you to get better is like not wanting to hurt your pride or your ego. Like even take me for example, I talk a lot of shit. So mm -hmm. when I'm winning, I talk shit. And the only way to get me to stop talking shit is to either beat me, you know what I'm saying, or start winning. You know what I'm That's saying? True. Be just as good. You know what I'm saying? I can't argue with someone who's just as good. You know what I'm saying? So if you want me to stop, you gotta be, you gotta best me. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what Eric's mentality is. When he was in Florida, that's how he got good. That's how, that's how he was topping YCSs. That's how he went to Nats. You know, that's how he got, you know, runner up. It's because he was a Florida player and he's very, very cocky on the low. And it's not, he's very humble about it. He's not like an arrogant person, but he's very cocky, egotistical when it, or sorry, ego wise when it, we're like playing. And it's mm -hmm. kind of good because that means we can shit talk with him. So, like, like he'll play me win and then say yeah get that ugly ass deck out of my face or something like that and i'll and then i'll beat him i'm like damn so this is what that asian guy felt when he beat you you know what i'm saying like or, or, like whatever we'll just go back and forth yes. because you know we're just like yes. that but it's only because we want to get we're bettering each other if i ever sat down like for example i played eric at locals the same day you guys did and mm -hmm. one of the day, uh, games he had said uh he misplayed and i had said in what in what aspect and most times he would never explain himself. He'd just be like, ah, oh, you know, I just did, I could have done some shit and I didn't. But he just knows like the vibe with me. I'm like, I'm always trying to learn. And he's like, was trying to explain because we had plenty of time. And he says, well, when I had this, I, I prioritized getting rid of your Shangri-La to get my zones back. Well, what I should have done was prioritize setting all the cards so you couldn't 
you know, get any more zones and then mm. uh, play this card in your main phase to get rid of, or sorry, in your standby oh, phase to get rid yeah, of it. Yeah. Uh, so that way you would have committed to the board, but then I could deal with both the monsters at once. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. He was just really, really going into, into detail with it. So like, he's kind of like that, like on that level with me. So although we talk shit to each other, we, it's all about pushing each other to the next limits, like right. getting, the, getting the other one to shut up. So like now I could talk all that shit until Thursday. And then when I meet him Thursday, if I lose, then he gets to talk shit until the next locals and then so on <laughs> and so forth. So of course, of course, mm -hmm. yeah. That's dope. Before we start getting wrapped up and any like that, did you guys have any other uh, shout outs for the weekend or any other highlights that you guys wanted to talk about before we uh, close out? You all should tell Nick that he should come to the Pen the Philadelphia region, the Pennsylvania regional. You, you know, Albert's going to go, right? Kevin wants to go. That's Albert's grinding for world's points. I want to get an invite. I think I have to celebrate my sister's birthday. Nah, she'll get it. She'll have another one next year. Yeah, well, Yo, hopefully. wild. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. Uh, Kevin, you know, we keep bringing him up, but Kevin's like, hey, when we play tomorrow, can y'all bring different decks so I can practice against different stuff because I want to go to more regionals and I want to go to bigger events. And I'm just like, he's got the he's got the Mambo mentality. He's got the grind mentality. Um, so we'll be... If you are at uh, Philadelphia Regionals next on um, September 9th, give us, uh, we'll be, at least a couple of us might be there. Um, but that's the next big tournament. I'm grinding for that invite too. I need to get that. I want to get that deck box as well. Um, yeah, I get my own invite this year. I had two last, that last season. So I need to yeah. get my own for the season. Mm -hmm. And then just, you know, shout out our podcast, uh, part of the podcast. It's available on all of the, um, all the streaming platforms and whatnot. Um, yeah, go listen. Yeah. Go take a go take a listen. We shit talk a lot too. We've had X on there. We'll have him back on there, probably in a little bit, potentially after the next regional. Are you going to that regional, yeah, for Xavier? An R-rated episode. Hell yeah. I think, I think my only shout out that hasn't been said already is uh, uh, Block Dragon to three. Oh my god, shut up! All right, I'll never, I'll never stop. All right, pipe down, yeah, yeah guy. I'll never stop. Block All right, hold on. Where's, where's 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 my soundboard? Unlock the block. <laughs> Yeah, Unlock the block. That's a clown take for sure. Unlock the block. <laughs> All right. So as we try Unlock to the cut block. over Nick, so that way none of his ignorance gets into any of your guys' ears, be sure to go down below in the description box below and click that link tree link. Follow all of our social sites, especially the Twitter and the TikTok and the Instagram, where we're giving away things the next rounded up fucking interval. So stop making me say these fucking things. Just go down there, click it, so I can start giving things to you guys. As simple as that. Also, shout out to our sponsor, Unplug Gaming in Manlius, New York. Be sure to check out the Discord server in the description box below. A little birdie told me, I'm not quite sure how confirm. I'm going to go confirm it next week, but a little birdie told me that when the uh, Megatins come in, that Joe is going to make sure that the semi-limited crew gets a box to be able to give away to the, you know, the, the supporters. You know how it goes. They be giving back to you guys because they be loving when we come through. I'll probably set up another event sometime in September for you guys. We'll do something really big. And then uh, obviously we'll do another giveaway through the Unplugged Gaming sponsorship for the tin for one of you guys to enjoy yourselves and go crazy on a tin and go play yourself a promo. Maybe that secret rare you always wanted. So it, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll hash it up between Joe, but we'll make sure we get it done for you guys. But I can't do it without your support. So be sure to go down to that description box, join their Discord the unplugged gaming discord and then also join our discord so that way i can show them that we are as committed to you as you guys are to us 
That is your what I meant to are, say. Your life points are fading so fast. My life points are super, super done. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the man. last thing I'm going to say is make sure to check out Brad's stream on Twitch. Click that link tree link. Click on Brad's Twitch. He is known as Mr. Perfect. And he will Do be it. Twitch streaming on Saturdays uh, at 11 p.m. So go down there and check him out. He's going to be doing deck profiles, hanging out with the, the crew. I'm in there talking shit and fucking with him every once in a while. Well, if you're in there and you do something interesting or we interact or something like that happens, we will be sure to put it on the podcast. So be sure to go check it out so that way we have something to interact with you guys with and give back to you guys on another platform with another stream, with another streamer, with all these other things. You know what I'm saying? So. Absolutely. Anything Don't else forget. before our final thoughts? Uh, Sound Unlimited has a YouTube now. Make sure you go subscribe to them. Yeah, I just subscribed. Oh yeah, too. absolutely. I, I've been putting. I just actually put up uh, Albert's second place regional, topping full underies deck profile. Be sure to go check that shit out on YouTube. He's right. Go subscribe, yeah, comment. Yeah. I'll probably be doing a giveaway on there yeah. soon. Yeah. yeah, you know exactly. Probably when we reach 50 followers on there, I'll probably do another giveaway. And then I'll be putting the shorts up there. The next one's gonna be with the DB grinder, so that way you guys can see what he was on and yep. uh, what his bandless thoughts are, so that way uh, we can get Ooh. popping on these shits. So soon. yeah, bandless soon. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, week, we are officially out of life points. I'm fucking high. This is ridiculous. I'm stuttering here, working <laughs> over my words. So we're gonna close this shit out. Thank you so much to both of you guys for coming on here, Mel, for once again blessing us with that outstanding melodic voice of yours and for nick for breaking the record of coming on for the you know the first time and i now officially have collected all five infinity stones and <laughs> had all you guys on here yeah. and i can't wait to be on part of you guys's shit so without yeah. any further ado be sure to check out all that shit i listed down below i am player x and we have been the semi-limited podcast good night